the same way someone overthinks getting into running. Starting running doesn't require an extreme amount of fitness, so long as you start solely and you feel good about starting solely and just trust that process um, and just kind of like put a cap on it when you're trying to rush it and just have that patience. Um, so the same way someone doesn't, it doesn't require a ton of fitness to get started with running, it doesn't require a whole lot of knowledge if you have a message that you want to get out there to the world. Um, you know, dreams only only grow if you share that dream or that gift that you have with other people. You just got to kind of um, get started doing with what you know how to do. And um, from there, start taking on just like one small thing at a time that you don't know how to do and then figuring it back out. Well, hello and welcome to the show. Before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to quickly invite you to sign up for the Fight for Brilliance email where I share resources and the things that I'm using in my life to help challenge me to rebel against complacency and conformity and to fight for brilliance myself. And so to do that, just text the word brilliant to the number 33777. That's the word brilliant to the number 33777. And stay connected with me beyond the show and be part of the Fight for Brilliance community on social media, and you can follow me using the handle at ColorThinks across all platforms. Every one of us are already made brilliant. You don't have to create that brilliance and you don't have to wish you had it. It's already in you. But you're gonna have to fight to find that brilliance and you're gonna have to fight even harder to live out your brilliance. Now let's get ready to have a conversation that will challenge you to rebel against complacency and conformity and fight for brilliance in every area of your life. Welcome to episode 60 here on the Fight for Brilliance podcast. I'm Justin Keller, your host, and this is the show where every single week, the goal of every conversation is that you would be challenged to rebel against complacency and conformity and to fight for brilliance in every area of your life so that you can live lead and create more brilliantly and I am so grateful that you are taking the time to listen if this is your very first time checking out the show I want to welcome you and if you are returning and you make this part of your week every single week I want to thank you for being part of this community uh, I'm sitting here at the end sort of of summer after Labor Day here and feeling really excited to head into the fall and get consistent with the show again. I took it a little bit easier this summer and gave myself a couple weeks off here and there to just focus on rest and my son. But I'm coming back into the fall here now with some really great episodes and kicking it off today with an interview with Alicia Flynn. And Alicia is just an all-around badass. I know you're going to absolutely love this episode. Alicia is a certified personal trainer. She has her degree in uh, health sciences, nutrition, exercise science, psychology, a master's in business. She's ran at least 10 marathons at a speed that are, is fast enough to qualify for the Boston Marathon. She has finished in Ironman uh, 70.3, which is a half Ironman. And she focuses on really helping beginners when it comes to running to get their thinking right, to get their training right. And in this episode, we discussed the importance of having others in your life and how she had the right people help her pursue the dreams in her life. We talk about what drives her and makes her stay consistent to work hard in her life. 
And we also discuss what her journey has been like to create the life that she wants and what it's required and what it's taken for her to pursue that. So I want to get right into this episode and let you get to know Alicia Flynn here on the Fight for Brilliance podcast. I'm looking forward to this conversation with you. And it's funny how we connected only because of how much I used to make fun of TikTok. And <laughs> we all did. We all did. <laughs> we, we all did. You're right. Especially all of us over 35. And I'll just leave it at that. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, being on TikTok, one of the things that I, that I did was decide I'm going to talk about running and then started having people like you come across my feed and yeah. connected with you through TikTok and just saw you being a badass on there, <laughs> giving real good running advice and yeah. um, especially focused on the new beginners. But just for people that are joining in and listening here today, just give them just a quick synopsis of what it is that you actually do. Yeah. You mean just on the TikTok page or just in general? No, just um, in general. Yeah. Yeah. I help beginners um, in running get started and progress. So um with that progression, I include things like their fuel and their diet um, alongside their training, but then also that group accountability and kind of like team support that they might need throughout that journey. And then the weight training to just kind of help to facilitate those changes as they, you know, kind of make them in their training. Yeah. So, when I saw your content, one of the things that stood out to me was just the holistic approach from, you know, from mindset to strength cardio the combination of everything you know you weren't just talking about getting faster and also just yeah. your human approach to it is what i i really appreciated anyway oh thank you yeah i um my behavioral background and kind of the coaching that i was doing in the corporate space before all of this um really helped drive a lot of that so for me it's always been i've always prioritized someone's experience versus just getting them a result faster most things that are targeting beginners are about getting them results in a hurry. And if anything, I'm kind of allergic to that approach. Um, to me, it's more about, okay, how can I empower someone not just to go achieve a result, but to keep this um, new behavior or this new fitness routine, whatever it is, make that sustainable for the long haul. And that means like balancing it with all those other um, key components of wellness that are really more fulfilling lifelong. So, yeah. So, how do you, I mean, I feel like it's tricky because. Most people come in to the, I guess, intersection of here's my life. Here's what I maybe hope it could be and the change I need to make with the desire to see something quick happen. Yep. You know, and so how do you help people navigate getting rid of maybe that quick change mindset and instead seeing it as a something sustainable that they can that can do? Yeah, totally. Um, I think a big part of that is just to have a really transparent conversation before they even join. So I can't have a conversation with everyone. Some people are coming in and they're doing that time box program where they're kind of coming in and their interactions with me are in a group coaching circle. But the people who want to work with me one on one, that initial conversation is my goal of it is to get to the point of truth as quickly as possible. So what's your expectation? And can I honestly meet that expectation? If they don't seem like someone that's really um, invested in creating behaviors that support the result that they're trying to go after, um, 
from a safety perspective and from like a, that long-term kind of perspective, I'll, I'll give them kind of that clear, even if it means that they're, they have to find another solution for what it is that they're looking for. I'm okay with saying, here are three other options that can get you that result faster. You want to, you know, get to a 5k in eight weeks, but you've never run, go do couch to 5k. Most people that have never run that work with me, I'm taking 16 weeks to even get them there. So that's just kind of that initial conversation is just, um, you know, being very transparent in the type of coaching. Not to say there's no room for flexibility there. If someone's like progressing a little bit faster, I'm definitely going to give them what's appropriate to kind of meet their um, fitness level as they're progressing. But um, the fastest path to the point of truth is really what it is that I'm seeking in that conversation um, so that I'm not wasting your time and they're not wasting my time because for those clients that come in and stay, it's like, I'm all in with you. Yeah, it's just interesting though because like when you talk about 16 weeks maybe to get someone from you know up to a 5k mm-hmm. like I, I know i've come yeah, across yeah. training plans that are like here's how to do a full iron man in 12 weeks yeah it's like insane i'm like oh my gosh so then then you know even if you just think about my business name what runs you it's really asking someone to think about their why like what is it that you're showing up for and that's always part of that conversation So as soon as I hear in their tone or in their voice or their words that they actually want this beyond, even though they're like excited to go get that result, they want to like jump right into it. um, I try to help them see the bigger picture of it. Okay. Do you just want that race or do you, do you really want to have this be something that is your lifestyle um, and part of your identity and who it is that you are? If that's what it is that you're seeking, why rush the process? the time's going to pass anyways, why not have it take an extra six months? If it means that on race day, you're going to feel more confident, you're going to feel more empowered when you look back in your training. If you reflect back on your training, when you get to the starting line of that race, and you see, you know, a history of like struggle, something that was really hard, what mindset is that going to be for you on day one, when you get to that race, and you go do it for the first time, it's like you're reflecting on the hardest thing you've ever done in your life just to get to the start line when it really should be, it should be more um, experiential in my opinion. I'm always amazed at the people who, and I know to each their own and they, and everybody yeah. has their own journey that they need to be on. But when somebody is so quick to dismiss, maybe it's not running, maybe it's, you know, just jogging or swimming or just being more physically active how quickly people dismiss that and say, Oh, I don't do that. Or that's not me. Or I don't have time because yeah. isn't it insane how the training translates to the rest of life as far as mindset? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And patience is everything you want to enjoy, you know, the experience of not only the process of you getting to that race result, but your life too. And the balance that it is that you're creating. If you go from zero to Ironman in 12 weeks, how much are you going to actually be sacrificing of your life to actually get there and really be well-trained for probably every aspect of your life is going to be sacrificed to be able to have the amount of time you need to like quickly get yourself up to speed in a hurry. Um, So slowing down that process, I think does create, it gives you more, um, it creates a little bit more space for the things that are unexpected. So like if you were to come up against an injury, well, now there's some time built in that you can actually manage that injury appropriately and give yourself the time off that you need. Um, if life events come up, like your kid has a birthday, you don't really have to worry about the fact that, you know, you, you can't sacrifice any single bit of time to be able to be there. You know, if you have a little bit less days and it takes you a little bit longer, I think as adults, as people who have children, I think it, um, 
there's less sacrificing long-term too. And I think and, that makes and you and Brian, you and Brian have two kids. Yep. And you know, you guys have just, it seems like you guys just integrate this all into your yeah. life, which is something that I absolutely love. That was one of my favorite things on one of your maybe first posts I saw was you doing the talking <laughs> and Brian pushing the stroller. Yeah. I was like, look, man, if I have to use my arm to hold a phone, you can push the 90 pound like stroller of kids. And he's like, this doesn't really seem fair. Um, but I'm like, well, you know what? I did give birth to them. So it's okay today. <laughs> But we yeah, usually take turns. In relationships, that's probably not the, the statement we need to use too often, right? <laughs> that doesn't seem fair. <laughs> no, exactly. Exactly. So, um, all right, let's talk a little bit about your story because I think it's all probably connected to some of the things that you're doing. And, and, I, and I know some of your, your journey as far as what you're doing and how you got there. But, yep. you know, on paper, you're what I would say impressive when you look at you've done marathons. Um, I think you've done them fast enough to qualify for Boston, what, seven times or how many times? A whole bunch of times. Um, I only okay. competed in uh, Boston once. Um, I got a little scared after um, everything that kind of happened with the bombing the year after I did my first race there. And I just, for whatever reason, I just haven't gone back to yeah. that race yet. It also means I but have to train really hard. But you've trained. <laughs> yeah, you've trained fast enough, though, to be able to do to that. To qualify every time. You know, which... Uh, Brian and I, your husband and I, we're talking, uh, we're going to, we're setting our goal and we're going to try to take a year here now and try to get fast enough he at, told me at that. our age. I think it's like 310 is what we have to finish it in or something like that. Um, yeah. but you've done Ironman, you've done, uh, you've half studied Ironman. health, half Ironman. Okay. Yep. You've studied health, exercise, uh, science, nutrition, psychology, you have an MBA. Yep. So if I just look at that on the surface, it seems like, okay, this is one of those girls who just goes after everything. She's driven. She's confident. Has that always been true about you? No, not at all. Not even in the slightest. Um, a big part of I feel like I've kind of taken on, taken on my identity as it is today in like small bites um, throughout all the years, like going back as far as I can remember in elementary school when I first started um, running was really where that kind of, I started wearing that hat and that identity. Um, but even into adulthood, um, knowing that that's where my passion was, I still felt pressure to, um, conform to the, uh, the agenda of my mom and kind of what her expectations were. You know, you kind of get that job, you get the security, you kind of work your way up over your whole lifetime. Um, and that's kind of the same route that even my sister did. Um, but for me, I think for the typical path, even though it looks like that seems kind of like packaged nice and put together, it, it seems scattered to a whole lot of people. Like you're going from health and now you're trying to learn about business. Well, why can't you just pick a field? You study nutrition. Why don't you just become a dietitian? Oh, you studied psychology. Why don't you just become a psychologist? You study exercise. Why aren't you a physical therapist? Like there was always this. And to me, it's like, well, because I just want to know like a good amount about it all. Um, it was always under an umbrella and to me, it felt extremely targeted, but I always questioned that because of the opinion of other people kind of weighing in that I was valuing even more than not enough to change how much I was my path forward, but enough that it kept making me doubt and slow myself up when I was moving forward. If that makes sense. Yeah. Do you think that your, um, I mean, your mom, she, she brought you here from the Dominican Republic, didn't she? Yep. Yep. So that's where you were born? 
Yeah, I was born in Dominican Republic. Um, my mom grew up in New York, but when my parents divorced um, in Dominican Republic, my mom brought myself and my brother and my sister back to the United States where she had grown up. And I should say this too, I don't think it was, I don't think her own agenda was out of um, any sort of like ill will. It was out of her own fear and desire to be comfortable. You know, yeah. comfort for a lot of people, that means like security, great, I'm in a good spot. For me, as soon as I get comfortable, I'm the ansiest person in the world. I just crave the challenge and things that, um, that make me question myself. I've never really been afraid of that. It did slow me down some, but I kept always leaning into discomfort in like every aspect of my life. <laughs> I want to get back to that because yeah, I find that interesting. But that's what I was going to get at with your mom was I was just thinking, having gone through divorce, she, she's got, you just had the other sister, right? Or is there? Uh, no, there's three of us. Yeah. There's three of you. That's right. So, you know, as a single mom, her mindset is, I need to set my daughter up to be able to take care of herself, right? Yep. It's it's the self-preservation mindset, which would stray yeah. away from discomfort, <laughs> just like you yep. said. So that's all I was thinking when you were talking about her. I was like, man, part of your story, I think that's an important thing to understand that, you know, she's not trying to uh, control your life. She's actually trying to help you be safe and be secure yeah. and, you know, because she's out of love. Yeah. Um, so talk about the discomfort thing, because one of the things that I talk about a lot, it's the premise of one of the parts of the show, which is to rebel against complacency and conformity. So the complacency aspect mm -hmm. is, you know, that opposite there would be, you know, you got to fight for finding discomfort to grow. Mm -hmm. So where did that start for you? And how has that been kind of woven into your story in your life? Yeah, for sure. That's such a good question. Uh, my, so there's three of us, my brother, my sister, and I, my brother kind of went off the beaten path. Um, wasn't the most stand up human being, um, got into a lot of trouble as a kid. And all I saw was that time and time again, when he would make excuse, like he would get into trouble and make an excuse for himself. You know, I didn't have a father to grow up. That's why I'm doing this. I didn't have this. We didn't have enough money. So I'm going to do this to get it. Um, every single time he had an excuse. And mm -hmm. I saw that it just kept leading him down a worse path. And it became kind of like the, I don't know where it happened in my mind, but it was just every single thing that he did. I'm like, I will never do. I will never go by. I will never incorporate into my life. And I just kept going to the opposite direction of it. So I don't know if I knew in my mind that it would give me a better result per se. I just knew that I didn't want to be anything like this other extreme. Um, yeah. I think I had hoped that, but I still, you know, identified as this kid that kind of like, you know, struggled, didn't really come from, you know, a very fortunate family and things like that. But I just knew that I didn't want to make an excuse for myself. So I kind of just kept looking to, um, one, I had a lot of people kind of swoop in to kind of like help guide me. Um, but I kept looking to other people who had grown up similar, similarly and then experienced success on the other side. And I just kept looking at that as like a, a form of hope. And it's really funny. I feel even like silly saying this, but um, I don't know why, because she's incredible, but like even just Oprah, like her path, like I grew up, like my mom would watch these like sitcoms and like day TV and yeah. stuff like that. But I always knew her story of kind of like growing up um, from like in just a very unfortunate way um, for a lot of people. But from that, she became this absolute phenomenon. 
And I just kind of like looked at that. I was like, well, if she can do it, like I can do it. It's, I don't have to stay here. This is just, I saw all of my circumstances as extremely temporary. Even if it was a success, it was just temporary. And there had to be something else that comes forward or comes next in order to keep that momentum, if that makes sense. Do you still look at, it it does completely make sense. Do you still Mm -hmm. look at accomplishments and success as temporary? Mm-hmm. And do you think that's a, you know, or how does that play into the way you coach, even the way you lead yourself? Yeah, for sure. So I had my high school track coach. Um, I met him when I was in middle school. He brought me up onto the high school um, team and I started competing for him. At first it was for distance. Little did I know he wanted me to be a pole vaulter. And as soon as I showed interest in it, he's like, all right, like kiddo, let's get on the track. Let's learn how to do this. And so I set a goal for myself when I was in eighth grade that I wanted to be a state champion in before I graduated from high school. And I wanted to do it in my junior year. And so he's like, well, that's four years away. And I'm like, I don't care. Like, Time's going to pass anyways. Like, I'm going to show up. I'm going to try to do this. I'd come into practice early in the morning. I'd stay really late. Well, the, I sure enough, that, um, that junior year of high school was when I won states in pole vaulting. And I was so excited. I was like, oh my gosh, yes. And my first instinct was to like take it easy um i went to i the next step was nationals and my coach had promised me and i still believe to this day he set this up to teach me this like life lesson um and i'll never forget it so he's like kiddo that was amazing like after all these years got like so pumped up i was just like glowing in that moment and he's like okay like see your practice on monday and I'm the only like student athlete left. Everybody else was done. Brings me out to the track. This is in June, late May. I think no, it was late May. It was hot as heck out. We get onto the track. It's probably like 80 plus degrees out. And he was like, "All right, kid. Like we're gonna do some intervals. We're doing 400s today." And I was like, "What? No, no. This is supposed to be a fun practice. We're celebrating today. Like let's go like vault and like have fun today. Let's go swing on ropes and do drills." And he's like, "No, kid. He's like." what's done is done. He's like, get on the track. He's like, if you're going to do everything that you were put on this earth for, you realize that what happened yesterday was, was your first step in the next thing you're about to do. And I was like, what a 400, what I'm me running on the track. And he was just like, just listen to me. That was your first step. That wasn't the end. And so I like went out on the track and running these 400s by myself, sweating to death and like dying. I kept I don't even think I realized it in that moment, but I was like, what the hell is he trying to teach me right now? <laughs> and um, it was over time kind of reflecting on that, but it was, it was literally that. It's like, instead of seeing any of the goals that you set for yourself, small or large, um, as like the end point, there really is no end point. It's just your starting block for the next thing to, to come. Yeah. And he just like believed with conviction that I was you know, just, he believed in me more than I believed in myself. I knew that I wanted to try to accomplish like great things, but he believed in it even more so than that. Like down the road, what is this kid going to do if she can get out of, he knew that I was kind of a troubled kid, didn't have the best um, home environment. He was always prioritizing that longer term perspective. And that, I mean, is definitely woven into my coaching today and why it's not just about women coming in and running their first 5k or their first marathon. It's, definitely about their experience and what's to come, you know, respecting the body, the mind, the spirit, the soul that they want 10, 15, 20 years down the road from now. You had him speaking to your life. You had, was, would that have been the first person you talked about people kind of coming alongside yeah. of you? 
would he have been the first one that sort of no yeah he was the third person that came into my life i got really lucky i had people that just for whatever reason just took me under their wing um what was was the first who was the first person and like what was that first moment for you where you had someone help you not do it on your own yeah for sure um when I was in, so I moved here from Dominican Republic, um, had a really heavy accent, moved into my mom bringing us into uh, Long Island to grow up in the town that she lived in. She didn't have a lot, like we, she still runs this small little rental in that neighborhood that is very, very wealthy. And we were the kids that, you know, she just tried to sacrifice. She's like, I don't care what rent I have to figure out how to pay or get money together. I want you guys in the school that I grew up in. And so she made those sacrifices, but we stuck out like a sore thumb. We didn't have a lot of money. We didn't have, you know, really nice clothes. I had a heavy accent. I was hard to understand. Um, and when I was in, and I kind of shied away from like other kids and just felt kind of just insecure as a kid. And when I was in third grade, I did the first, um, you know, like, do you have a physical fitness test when you're growing we used up? To do, we used to do the... Uh was the president's physical fitness test. Yeah. So you yeah. would do sit-ups. I had the record for a while in my elementary school, which I couldn't do that now, but uh, <laughs> still living in the past. And then I'm the mile. In the past. I have that record for pull-ups. <laughs> oh yeah. We did the pull-ups. We had the mile and I think it was sit-ups, those three, wasn't it? Or was there more? It was a shuttle run, um, pull-ups, V-sit reach. You had to like stretch as far as you could. Uh, yeah, I still can't. <laughs> Well, what was I going to say? So he, um, I got to run a mile and I ran it really fast and my gym teacher came over to me and I just remembered as clear as day, he came over to me, patted me on the back and he's like, kiddo, you've, you've got a place in the world. Like, this is what you need to do. When you go to middle school, I want you to be on the track team and the cross country team. This, and I was like, yes, I was just remembering so happy. He, he said what? He said, kiddo, you have a place in the world. Like he saw that I was like struggling with identity and I don't, I just, in reflection, that's what I realized it was. But as a kid, I just saw myself as this awkward kid that nobody could even understand when I spoke. Um, No, but like how meaningful are those words for someone who, you know, feels so out of place? Yeah. And that's why to me, I even put up a TikTok about this the other day, uh, why I'm not the hugest, the biggest fan of walk run programs and not because you can't have success with that. It's just, I know so much of someone's experience is their, their ability to be able to take on the identity of a runner and to see themselves as someone that, you know, can wake up and do this every day. And that's that where that lesson was learned. It was third grade. And I just, all of a sudden I was like, I'm a runner and did yeah. a whole bunch of pull-ups and I'd go to gym class and get excited. No, that's like when you, I saw that post and I just feel yeah. this kindred spirit with you and Brian and one of the things that I loved about that was we give ourselves the, a way out too easily often, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you talk about running. The other day I talked about writing kind of the same aspect of like, call yourself a writer and then get up tomorrow and write. I don't care if yep. it's 200 words. Like, mm-hmm. and instead of saying, I don't have any words to write today, find 200 words, you know? Yep. It's that same, you know, idea of if you're going to give up today, you'll probably give up again tomorrow, right? Yep, exactly, exactly. So you have to have something that is aligned with the identity that it is that whether like, and identities, I think people grow into over time, but it's, 
identifying, okay, if this is someone that I want to be like, or someone that I want to be next, like that V2 of myself, what are the habits that are consistent with that identity that I can take on today? Even if I can't do it all, even if I'm not that person today, there's definitely a habit or two that that person has that ultimate V2 of yourself that you can do starting today and find those things. And that's how you're going to build the momentum to create that V2 of yourself. Yeah. Identity is such a interesting topic, you know, because here I am even at 40 years old and I feel like there's maybe days where I feel confident in certain things in my identity. And there's other days where I'm like, wait, who the hell am I? Yeah. When do you feel like you, if you have started finding really your stride in your identity? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, Cause I always battled that imposter syndrome of like, who do you think you are? Um, Brene Brown talks about that all the time. You either have the one that's like, you're not good enough on your shoulder, kind of telling you, yeah. you know, stopping you from moving forward. Or you have the one that's like, who do you think you are? That's the one I battle all the time. Um, and it's the one I battled for um, years because the first time I came up with the idea and the blueprint of my business was in 2008. It was years later that I actually followed through with you know launching everything. But there was all these incremental steps that I took on the way there that started to strengthen my identity. But ultimately, um, what did it was meeting my uh, mentor who best friend and mentor, um, we grew close very quickly because she was, um, it was when I was working at Harley Davidson at the time. Um, I was working in their like wellness center, corporate space, and she had nothing to do with wellness or health. She was in finance and uh, she would come down into the center and she would just walk on the treadmill. And I'm like, it's the path of least resistance. I'm like, I would literally egg her on. I'm like, what's going to come from the path of least resistance? You have to lean into discomfort. And she was just like, get out of here. She's like, I'm just walking on the treadmill. Leave me alone. And I'm like, well, She's like what this is, is my it? break. What are you doing? <laughs> and she was, she was down there just on her lunch break walking. And I'm like, nothing comes from like growths and comforts don't coexist. Like lean into your discomfort, walk a little faster, throw it on incline. And I would literally- She hated just, you right away. She did. She did. I literally egged her on for like months before she- finally broke down and like we befriended each other we went out one of our first walks we went out on uh we walked for like eight miles and just literally talked about everything under the sun to me she was a woman who she came from um a family that wasn't you know very well off or anything she was the first person in her family to go to college she started as a employee that was on the assembly line there then progressed and isn't fine like she was a having tremendous career success, got an MBA, all that stuff. Um, And uh, she just very like selflessly gave me a lot of her time and encouragement. And um, what was I going to say? She started to kind of challenge me the same way I challenged her to get out of her comfort zone with health and fitness. She was trying to get me out of that comfort zone in the corporate space. She saw that I was just like very naturally a creative person. And she's like, Alicia, you're always going to be stifled here. You won't ever get to create those plans. And anybody who knew me back in 2008 through 2012, I was just like walking and talking my dream every two seconds Mm. um, because I wanted to just like speak it into existence. I knew I I didn't have a clear path to get there, but she just, she saw it for some reason. She was just like, Alicia, that is all possible. Like you can do that. And I was like, ah, I'm just, let me just keep talking about it for a little while longer. And like, this is, and then I started realizing that I was in my comfort zone. So she got me 
extremely far out of that comfort zone by encouraging me to go get my MBA when she saw that one of my insecurities was that I didn't know enough about business to start a business. So she's mm-hmm. like, well, then let's get practical. You go back to school right now. And that's what I did. Yeah. So it took someone again, mm-hmm. seeing something in you, you know, pushing you to go after something. I yeah. just, okay. So did you ever struggle listening to people? Because the attitude that I would kind of get maybe from you first would be, I can figure this out. I can do this on my own. Mm -hmm. Or did you have to fight that? Or were you just naturally like, Hey, what do you think I should do? And you just absorbed and really listened to people. Um, I think I always, cause my, my mom, again, kind of took that path of least resistance because it was security. It was comfort. It was what kept her safe, what kept us safe and fed. Um, I think I was naturally attracted to the way that my friend Kelly talked to me because it was the opposite of that. It was like, no, you should take a risk. Like you're in your twenties, you should take a risk. And it was the first time that I had someone that was older that was encouraging going a path that wasn't the beaten path, if that makes sense. And I was just like, Ooh, like it just all of a sudden made me believe in myself a little bit more. Um, But I had in the past always kind of figured it out myself. Like I, I've had a million little, kid businesses growing up and things like that. Like I've always had that entrepreneurial spirit, but I just, again, put that pressure on myself to conform as much as I didn't want to think I was, I totally was, but I was telling myself a story every day that you know, I was doing it differently than someone else was doing it. And that would give me enough to just kind of be like, okay, it's okay. I can just yeah. kind of stay here. I'm doing good. It is different than everybody else, but it is, kind of, it was totally in line with everybody else. I was yeah. like, totally like pursuing that like corporate climb. No, and I was just curious because I mean, I know f- for me, it's just it's taken a lot of time and years mm-hmm. to to learn that even you know the people that you might not want to agree with, um, and you don't have to even agree with them, but just hearing somebody can be valuable in just like redirecting you or guiding your way. So it's just she definitely you know, sped up you, the process. She sped it. She up. did. Yeah. Yep. What was the turning point for you? Because I know you talk about this in between of, you know, your interactions with her. You've mm-hmm. got this idea for the life you want to build, including how you're going to serve people, which is what you're doing right now. Yep. But there was, you said, eight or nine years in between, right? Roughly. Yep. Yeah. So what was that turning point for you that just said, all right, enough is enough. I got to do this because you had your MBA. Yep. So she had encouraged so that uh, best friend and mentor, Kelly, she had encouraged me to go back, pursue that MBA. And that whole time for two years, I'm writing a business plan. I'm like getting so excited about it. It was a version of what it is that I'm doing now. It wasn't the original plan from 2006. It was kind of, again, it was kind of leading into my comfort a little bit. I used to do these events where I'd have um, a woman host me and her, another a uh, few of her friends at her house. I would cook for them. We'd do like food demos. We'd exercise. We'd talk about things, like all of this stuff. And that was still leaning into my comfort. Um, as much as I didn't want to admit it, it was still my comfort. Um, so that's what I wrote my business plan for. And at the end, it's cool. You get to kind of do like this mock um, presentation to venture capitalists, get feedback. Everything was great. That December, I graduated. I had my daughter was three months old. Really hard last three months of school. <laughs> just putting that out there. Um, and I registered or not registered my business. I started just a website. Um, and I found, so I, I was like, I registered at the beginning of December. I'm like, I got one month, then I graduate. I'm going to go do this. 
And when I graduated, I realized, and it was like so, so overwhelming how scared I was to actually move forward with it. I'd go back to the website probably 50 times a day. I'd open it up. I'd look at it. I'd close it. I'd open it up. I'd look at it. I'd close it. I'd like put it on my phone. I'm like, oh, like that would be nice if that actually like did have content on it. I'd close it. And like all day long. And especially because I was, I'd just gone back to work after maternity leave. And I was kind of getting right back into what it is that I was doing before. Um, And it was three months after that, that Kelly was um, diagnosed with colon cancer. It had spread to, they tried to remove it and it spread to her like liver and kidneys. And she was just diagnosed immediately terminally ill. Um, And she's a woman. Let me just tell you how put together she was. She was in her forties. She had set herself up to be able to retire from work early. So think about like a woman that grew up, you know, not from um, the most, um, you know, affluent family or anything like that, put herself into college as the first kid gets out, works her way up from, you know, being on an assembly line to in a, like a high up corporate position, sets herself up to retire early. And then, and at the time, I remember too, having conversations with her, she was looking at um, like the home that she wanted to buy after everything. And it scared me because she was traveling for work. Um, and she was, she was too ill to even be flown home. She was medically transported home, like in a van I spent the last few days of her life with her. And that moment right there was my wake up call. I knew when I saw her, there was like something that was just kind of like stirring inside of me differently than it had before. Um, And I kept kind of reflecting every single time I talk about this, I get emotional. So I apologize. I could talk about it a million times and I'll always cry. I appreciate you sharing. But it was the first time something was stirring in me a little bit differently than it had all of the other years that I thought about my dream. Because to me, the most precious gift you can give someone is your time. And there's so few people willing to give that time to you. And she just without, without even hesitation, just gave me her time and encouragement, love, support, just to see me be more successful in my life. And as I like sat there and just like, she could barely even like formulate words. I just literally sat with her for like three days um, with her sister and her family there. I brought my daughter and um, I just knew that in that moment I was making a decision in my mind. I was like, well, Kelly gave me so much time, so much of her time selflessly without even realizing she was on borrowed time and her time was running out. And if a woman can do that, and if I'm going to take any of that time that was invested in me and just waste it and just to me not doing anything with it and letting her pass away and just being like, okay, let me wipe my hands clean of everything that she was investing in me would was the worst thing that I could possibly do. So in that moment, I kind of just decided I was like, okay, I'm going to honor the time that she gave me by immediately taking action the moment she passes away. Um, I got the invitation to speak at her um, celebration of life. The moment that she passed away, I looked at my husband. I was like, Kelly's gone. I know she is. And sure enough, I got that call. And when I spoke at her celebration of life, I just, as I was speaking about her, I was like, it was weird. It was almost like it was running in my head, everything that I was going to do, all my next steps. And that night I immediately started putting content on that website. God, thank you for sharing that. Uh, I'm so sorry. I know, um, 
you guys were obviously close to someone super important in your life. Yeah. Um, you know, do you feel like the grief process and like the loss of someone that you respect, admire and love, um, not just like the immediate action that you took toward your business, but do you think that's the, whether it's running or just the way you, you go through life, like you're, you're, you're processing, processing it through what you do in the lifestyle you have? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I come back to it all the time because I just am constantly looking at things as, okay, what's how, like, how do I want to experience my life? And, you know, if this is the only time that I have, which who knows if my time's like running out, you just, you never know. And I want to make sure that my voice, whoever reaches that, if they're giving me an ounce of their time, that the content that they receive is going to be worth their time if they listen. Even if they're not a runner, to me, someone's time is precious and it deserves to be respected. So, you know, I can put out, it's not like I don't put out some silly content, things like that. Maybe it meets you and it it makes you laugh for a second and you move on, you never look at it again. But I knew that when I started setting up, you know, more of my social media pages than I had before, even the most recent ones with that being TikTok, I knew I wanted that page to be one that if someone were to come over to it and kind of binge watch it, that they would actually feel like a better human for having watched it or like a better person or a better runner or just a more focused, you know, in that moment for themselves. I I wanted, I wanted that to be their experience. And that is a direct result of, you know, just respecting someone's time. Yeah. You seem intentional always, no matter what, but do you, it sounds like that loss has Mm -hmm. forced even more intentionality as far as creating meaning in life. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm just always reflecting on it too, just um, processing it because in some ways, you know, I I wish that she was still here, but it was also the greatest blessing of my life um, just because it gave me courage um, that I wasn't having before. It was like the moment that she passed away, it was like, I just wanted it suddenly more than I was afraid of it. And it didn't matter if it wasn't perfect. Like I just kind of kept waiting for things to be perfect before I could move forward or look a certain way or to be able to do it a certain way. And then I just kind of started putting out that content. I was like, well, you know what, if I preach, you know, process and, um, you know, value and learning, then I can sure as heck learn how to do this and just have patience. And this will get better over time. So long as I keep trying. And that's, again, right, goes right into my coaching philosophy. You don't have to be the fastest runner tomorrow, but if you keep trying, you're going to get closer. (laughs) I know. I feel like that's, it's understandable, first of all, but that's where so many people get stuck, right? Is like, and it's, it's sounds trite just because everyone says, you know, progress over perfection and stuff like that right now. But, but it's really as simple as that is, it's so, true like you don't have to have it all figured out um you waited though consistency yeah but you you waited though for a long time trying to have it all figured out i did so i started putting it's so funny too because i started it's funny you get i think you get better at talking yourself into the steps that are necessary to take and you just kind of take them in like small chunks and you get a little bit more confidence to talk yourself into something else that's outside of your comfort zone you get there you kind of talk yourself into the next thing Um, but so I started putting content on that website 
in March of 2016. And I kept kind of like, I look at it, I'm like, oh, this will be great if someone finds it. And I close my computer and walk away and add some more content. I promised myself I would always add content to it, but I kept just, you know, thinking to myself, it's all right if someone just finds it. I don't have to put it in their face. Like they'll just find it. And then it was in May of that year, I was like, oh my God, you're doing it again. You're taking the path of least resistance. What are you doing? You got to wake up to what it, you know, and you got to just expose yourself. If this is your truth, if this is truly the identity you want to take on, what are those habits that are consistent with that? Well, got to get, I got to get more confident with putting myself out there publicly. I got to get better at speaking. I have to know who I'm speaking to. I can't just let someone find it. If there's a certain person that I want to speak to, I got to make sure that message is getting to them and at least create a path to, you know, towards them. Um, so it was at the end of May of 2016 that I did, I like eased myself into it too. Um, oh man, what's the woman's name? I can't even think of it right now. But she talks about um, oh, darn it, the five second rule and basically five, four, three, two, one. If you don't do it in five seconds, the likelihood of you actually following through is like diminished. So I kind of gave myself a countdown. I put up five posts on Facebook. I was like five, four. And like, yeah. And I like put little teasers with it. I was like, this is coming, blah, 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 blah. And then finally I like shared it and I was like, oh my God, okay. Like it doesn't have to be perfect. There's just a few things on like a Facebook page. And that's really where everything started was that Facebook page. Is that Mel Robbins? Mel Robbins. Yes. I love her. I love her. You do? Yeah. She's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I hadn't actually heard of that five second, but it's the five elements of the five second rules. She has an article here. I just found I'll have yeah. to check that out. I'll share that in the, in the, in the show notes too. Yeah, for but sure. But no, it is true. Like, right. I mean, you sit like, okay. So do you, the in-between for you that you were sitting on, this is my dream. I knew you even drew up the app, everything like that Yeah. back in the day, like 2006, eight or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And that in-between, do you think that it was just you being fearful or um, and do you think you overthought how much you had to know now that you look back? Oh yeah. Or you did. Yeah. It's the same way someone overthinks getting into running. Starting running doesn't require an extreme amount of fitness. So long as you start solely and you feel good about starting solely and just trust that process um, and just kind of like put a cap on it when you're trying to rush it and just have that patience. Um, so yeah. the same way someone doesn't, it doesn't require a ton of fitness to get started with running doesn't require a whole lot of knowledge if you have a message that you want to get out there to the world. Um, you know, dreams only only grow if you share that dream or that gift that you have with other people. And uh, that kind of was what allowed, there was actually this book. Um, it's like such a silly just book, but it's a, it's a book that's just all illustrated in cartoon and it's what's, what to do with an idea. And basically at the end of it, and every time I read the book too, it's this silly little book, but I always cry at the end of it because at the end, it's like ideas are meant to be shared. And I sat on this idea for the longest time and it was just like, well, yeah, it is supposed to be shared. You've got to share it. Nobody's going to share this. You can't wait for someone else to be like, Alicia, that was a great idea. Here's a clear path. You just got to kind of um, get started doing with what you know how to do. And um from there, start taking on just like one small thing at a time that you don't know how to do and then figuring it the heck out. One thing that I always kind of prided myself in, um, and Brian would even laugh at this too. I was like, I don't know anything about proper lighting, but 
I'm going to go buy some lights from Lowe's and I'm going to tape them onto, I would literally take a chair when I was recording because I wanted, I knew I wanted better lighting and I would tape all of these lights to a chair and I would like play with like the angles of it. And it was the most like rigged up stuff you could ever imagine. But then it taught me as I got better equipment, what to look for and what to do. But I literally had things taped to chairs. Um, I had the smallest little like tripod or in the beginning, I didn't even have a tripod. I had Brian holding the phone for me and recording off of that. I didn't even have a camera yet. So I just got started with literally nothing. And every time I got something, you know, better, I appreciated it so much more because I had figured it out. Um, same way, even with the app on the back end, being like completely hands-on in it, um, doing the design of all the content pieces in there, writing the content myself. It's never been anybody else's job but my own and my own responsibility. And I don't ever want to be so removed from the process of anything that it is that I do that I I can't do it myself. I, I want to be able to um, always keep my hand in that because the process is what it, it excites me most, I should say. Yeah, no, I feel like nothing gets in your way. And it's whether it's, <laughs> back to that, you know, I've got to be secure and take care of myself. That was ingrained, you know, early on Yeah. in a positive way. It's that created that badass, you know, mentality of, all right, I'll figure this out. I'll take the light to the chair. (laughs) I can't even tell you how crappy, like every setup I've had for different things, whether it's like bad video cameras or whatever, (laughs) but I have always figured out how to make shitty things work well. Yeah. Like and so when you get something it. expensive, it's like, oh, that's just even better. <laughs> for sure, so. for sure. Even just like using different systems for like just organizational purposes. Um, I love Monday.com. But for the longest time, I had these like really elaborate like spreadsheets and things like that. And I was like, oh, wait, there's another tool for that. But it's like had someone just given me that tool to begin with, I wouldn't have like I don't think I would have appreciated or know how, known how to like work it as well as I do after going from like this scrappiness. I love yeah. the scrappiness that comes before the innovation of something. Um, it's just cool being like in the trenches. No, everyone's afraid of that. That's that stage too, because you know, you just look at like, well, what if it fails? And we're at, we're looking at things as either it's right or wrong or it worked or didn't work. And it's, yep. it's like, no, it just, I just did it this was the outcome. Now what do I need to do different? You know? Yeah. And it's funny too, because as I kind of progress forward and I even just have, I talked to my mom multiple times a day and uh, I just kind of share with her different things about my business or what's going on. And she's just like, Oh my God, what are you going to do? Like, what are you going to, I was like, I don't know. Keep trying. <laughs> like, it's yeah, exactly. And she's always like, and it's funny because I'll call her with like different extremes. I'll either call her to share like the high of something great that's happening. Or as soon as I call and there's like this like low tone, she's like, Oh my gosh, what's happening? Are you okay? And I'm like, I'm yeah. totally cool. I'm like, I'm just figuring shit out. I'm getting more creative. Anytime I have to figure something out, I get extremely creative um, trying to find a solution for it. Even to the point that when I run, I would carry a sticky notepad with me and a pen so I could write ideas as I was just, you know, running and coming up with uh, different thoughts. Yeah, but you're you're so like badass that you you could probably um you could probably run and write at the same time. Like you make talking on camera and running at the same time look so easy. I'm like, okay, I'm trying to say something here. So I have to do voice memos instead. I'll just be like thought yeah. for later. <laughs> I do do that now. I have inter- I have um 
I have had more innovation in my note taking skills. I do use <laughs> notes now. On my okay, phone. so on on a heart level, you, you know, you use the handle. Everything you do, the business and so on, is what runs you. Yeah. And so I would ask you that question. Mm-hmm. You know, what does run you, and what motivates you, and and drives really like the little daily decisions for you? My love for the process. It's, mm. it's really that. Um, I just love, love being in it. And I think I even put up a TikTok about this the other day that I almost have to train myself to be that, like, to know where my mind should go if I ever do get into that, like, number one spot for something. Like, I just, I'm so satisfied in chasing something that that's really it. Like, that's, I, I wish it was a bigger, grandiose, you know, kind of a, um, response, but it's just what runs me is that like thrill and that exhilaration of the process of achieving something. So that's why I don't think I'll, there'll ever be an end point to what it is that I'm creating with this community. I want it to be more than just a virtual space. I want it to be, um, I want to have like live events where, you know, there's retreats and people are connecting, there's races, there's so many other different avenues that I can go. So what runs me is really the process, the love for the process. So do you feel like I saw you even post something today about like kind of just just being in the state of flow is almost how you described it or whatever mm-hmm. and you built that relationship and met someone face to face but yep. do you feel like if you just embrace the process does that do something for you as far as how you manage expectations like does it make it easier for you to step into new things if you're really just going into it saying here's the process not the outcome that has to happen. Yeah. So that's actually something that, um, I, it's nice to have those like organizational tools of knowing the exact direction that I'm trying to go with everything. I thought this year would be the year that I'd be able to have those live in-person retreats, knowing that it got pushed back. Damn. Coronavirus. Coronavirus every freaking time. Knowing that it got pushed back at first, I was like, ah, damn. Like that was my end. Like that was what it is that I was trying to reach to next. But then I started thinking, I was like, wait, but I could do it virtually. Wait, but that gives me more time to get to know everybody. Wait. And then I got really excited again about the process. Um, So I I don't think that answers your question perfectly though. Um, No, I just was curious though, like you, you come across, so I've been kind of leaning into this whole idea and I have found myself that the best place for me is when I get to this neutral state where, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't mean there's no craziness. Yeah. It just means that I can enter this craziness with not, without this pressure of this is what has to happen or that's where I'm I just, at. That's, that's why in that video I said, there's like no beginning or end. Like, I don't feel like I'm taking, like, I know there's more people suddenly now than there were two months ago or even a month ago, but I don't really feel like it's the beginning of anything. Like I feel like this is just, this is the next step in something that I started in 2008. It's just, it's part of where it is that I'm supposed to be. And there's no, there's no really end to it because it's just, I'm just enjoying this like moment of like more, like I, I dreamed of cloning the 50 to 70 women that I was working with for years. Um, and, finding, you know, other people that were similar to them. And for the first time, that wave of people, it's almost at 300 now, um, that wave of people that came in are all splitting images of the people that I've been working with before. So it's just this really familiar place, um, which I think if someone said, oh, like your business now has all of a sudden tripled the amount of members that it did before, be like, oh, who are all these people? 
but every single person and customer and that comes in, I'm like, I know you, you're, yeah. you're just like Sarah, but this, you know, like you're, I can pin them to someone else in the group so quickly that I've been working with that there's, I'm not really being presented with a new, um, identity as a whole for my business. It's just expanded from what it was. Yeah. But I'm going to like, you're not going to give yourself credit for it, but what I observe at least would be you attract who you are, you know, and you're showing up, um, just the way you'd want to. And with an empathy and understanding toward the people you want to impact, because I think it's just real for you, the motivation for you. So I think you're seeing what you're seeing because of who you are and how you show up. Uh, That's really cool. That's really awesome. Thank you. So we didn't get to talk much about you and Brian running together and all that stuff, but uh, we'll have many more conversations. Um, It's are you actually going to be going and doing the 50k next April too? Are you both? Yeah, we already decided we're in. We just got to find out. We got to find some childcare. So yeah, I think it should be fine. Okay, well, I'll look forward to hopefully. um, Well, you can wait for me at the finish line. (laughs) Have a cold beer ready for me, please. I was like, are we all running this together? What are we going to do? And he's like, I think that'd be cool. I'm like, that's where I would think it would be the most fun to just all go do it together and have a great time. It would be. Yeah, I just don't. (laughs) I just don't want it to be painful for you because I feel like you're just going to be like, come on, boys. (laughs) (laughs) That I would. I told Brian, I was like, well, you know, if we're going to do this together, when we get to the finish line, it's ladies first. And he was just like, we'll see what's happening at the finish line. I was like, no, ladies first. <laughs> He's like, all right, that's, that's fine. That's the photo moment. We'll let you go first and we'll just be like, what the hell? There you go, <laughs> Where guys. Where did you come from? Well, I appreciate you making time to be on here today. And um, yeah. you know, I just want to commend you on the way that, that at least as I'm getting to know you and I see you fighting for brilliance in your life, just having the courage to just go after the things that you believe in. And the way you're consistently showing up for people in your life are just things that I admire and just your spirit and your tenacity. And so I just want to commend you on that. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been awesome getting to know you. As soon as I saw you on TikTok, I told Brian, I hit my husband. I was like, this is a good friend for you. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, you're just searching for friends for me now. And I was like, well, yeah, like every, cause he long story short, Brian um, gave up drinking a year ago and I was like, you need like a circle, even though I don't know if you drink, but I'm like, you need a circle of, you need a circle of guy friends that all go to races and are generally like pretty healthy people. And he was like, yeah, that makes sense. And then all of a sudden you, and I didn't even show who you were, but you popped up on his for you page and we're out running. And I was like, oh man, I keep getting asked about pushing the running stroller and to record a video about it. And uh, I'm like, but there's this guy in TikTok that already did that. So then he'll probably just think I'm copying him. And he's like, I saw that guy. And I'm like, that's the guy that I want you to be friends with. <laughs> that is <laughs> so amazing. funny. Well, no, I love it because they're between you guys the, and the community of other like-minded people. Yeah. That, that it's, finding, it's awesome. And so even if it gets banned, social media can be used for good. And I glad, I'm just glad our relationship has moved from that. And I look forward to challenging each other. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I can't encourage you enough to follow Alicia. You can connect with her across all social media platforms using the handle at what runs you. The links for her website and her app and everything else will be inside of the show notes there. 
And so I'd encourage you to learn more about what she's doing. And especially if you are either new to running, curious about getting going with running, uh, Alicia is one of the best people to have in your corner. Uh, she shares daily tips and best practices over on TikTok and just gives away a ton of knowledge. So give her a follow and stay connected with me as well on social media. Let's keep the conversation going. My handle is at Keller Thinks across all platforms. And I wanna ask you to do a couple things before we close out the show here. First, would you share this with two or three people? I know that Alicia's story uh, will connect with somebody in your life. And so think about somebody who you can share this with. A uh, simple way to do that is send the link directly to them through a text. Or another great way is to screenshot the episode and share it across social media and let people know what you're listening to and let them hear from Alicia. And I also wanna just ask if you would, hit subscribe so you don't miss any of these episodes and stay connected to this community here. And as well, it would mean a lot if you would take a second to rate and review the show. As always, thank you so much for being part of this community, fighting for brilliance in every single area of our lives. And I wanna just leave you with your weekly reminder that you, yes, you, you are brilliant. <laughs>